ideal game lengths. Just no more time anymore. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always... Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys Lucky 128. 128. Uh, with this episode, we had the fantastic... Uh, you know, we It's been a weird time trying to think of great topics uh, in this weird area we're in where Switch is getting a lot of coverage right now because it's in, a, it's in that point of its life while Xbox and PlayStation are really on the slowdown, uh, which you'll see a little bit more as we get into some of these, uh, some of these bits of news. Uh, but... One of our listeners, longtime listeners, and uh, he also does a couple of podcasts himself, Mr. Josh Shoop, uh, suggested uh, on Discord uh, a topic about ideal game links. Essentially, what games do we wish were longer and which games do we wish were shorter? Um, and, you know, it, it was an interesting thing to kind of bring up and talk about because in an era and specifically a generation that's been de- defined by games becoming open world that used to not be so or adding more open elements. Sometimes it's for the better and sometimes it's for the worst. So what we're going to do is, of course, talk about that when we get through the rest of the episode. Uh, but we are going to go ahead and start the show off the way we always do. Uh, and of course... We are Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast, and you can find us, if this is your first time listening to us, uh, over on YouTube in video format uh, on Mondays at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST. And if you want to listen to us instead of watching our ugly mugs, and you can do so over on podcast services, including Podbean, uh, where you can comment on stuff on Podbean, which is pretty cool, but also other places that you may frequent, like Spotify, uh you know, iTunes, Google Play Music, all those places. If you like what we're talking about uh, and you're on YouTube, give us your thoughts down in the comments below. We love to hear y'all's feedback on things. And of course, we like hearing people's ideas when we get to our community's take section, uh, which we always do. And it's coming up here pretty soon, uh, where we ask you about what our, you know, we ask you a question at the end of every episode and we ask for the community to come back around and, um, and give us their input on these things. Uh, but of course, you can find us on social media if you cannot comment for whatever reason on which preferred option you do. You can find us on social media over at Twitter at Triangle SQRD on Facebook at Facebook um, and a Facebook group uh, called Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Uh, you can find us in our day-to-day moment-to-moment lives as well as a lot of other members of the community uh, as well as a new one. Uh, if I'm, I'm And his name is skipping me right now. Uh, I want to say it's The Crusade. So if yeah, I know he was just recently started listening to us. Oh, uh, so what's up? welcome to the Discord. Anybody else that wants to hop in there, feel free to do so. Uh, and of course, if you want to support the show in any way, shape, or form, consider going over to our Patreon uh, and giving as little as a dollar a month for early access to things, as well as uh, other bits that we throw in there every now and then. And if you really want to go up there, you can get the tier that gives you the option to get a custom case of your choice every three months. Um, but with that said, we're going to go ahead and get this thing started off right. Saul, what you been up to? What you been playing? Uh, this has been an odd week for me for sure, so I'm definitely interested to hear what yours are. Yeah, for me, it's one of those that I played two games, and only two games, and that was Astral Chain, as I talked about last week. And you know, the more I thought about it, you guys are probably going to hear us in this very first segment of the show talk about games that aren't related to PlayStation to stay true to the nature and 
honesty that we are, I don't want to say that I don't want to leave out games I've been playing just because they're not PlayStation games. This has always been. Yeah, I don't a, see the point of that. You a, know, this is a this is us kind of. Yeah, this is see a, each other very much. No, no. And this is also giving the the audience a listen of what we're playing, regardless of what system it's on. Yeah, and so for me, like this is one of those things that, as much as you know, I, I I've said before, like I think last episode even that I was wanting to skip out on games that were on Switch and PC. I don't want to do that because it's not being really honest to you guys that I've not played games. Um, because I only played one game on PlayStation 4 this week, and uh, that was Minecraft. My wife has started playing Minecraft a lot, and yesterday we decided, like, hey, we have two PlayStation 4s. Hers is in the living room. Mine's in my game room. I don't know why in my mind you played that on the same TV, but it makes way more sense to not do that. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, I'm not playing, because we played for about six hours at least. Uh, there's uh, no way I'm playing split screen for six hours. So I went and I got her my Hyper X Cloud 2 headset out of our closet and I gave that to her and we literally just played online with each other in a party <laughs> chat and got lost for a long time. But yeah, I played that and I beat uh, Astral Chain. So I am going to go back into that game and much, much, much more when the Switch Lite comes out. Mainly stuff on the Switch because right now I'm not picking up Borderlands 3 on launch. I'm not really picking up a lot of games that are coming out anytime soon that's not Death Stranding or Nintendo Switch games. So it's going to be kind of a slow ride for me till the end of the year on PlayStation. I think there's one game before Death Stranding on PlayStation that I'm getting, and I can't... Man of Madon. Okay. Yeah, um, I can see that. So that's... <laughs> for the, October? Yeah. Uh, if you feel so inclined to, uh, getting back to Remnant would be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah. that's a... I understand. It just depends know. on the time. <laughs> I understand, yeah. By the way, I totally forgot how you told me to fix that, just to center it. I tried. I don't know what happened, but we'll talk about it after. But, yeah. Brett, what have you been playing? I uh, beat Control, uh, first thing. Then I platinumed Control. And on Monday, uh, you know, Labor Day, we had the day off where I work, thankfully. And the Friday before, um, you know, we got a surprise bonus, which I definitely was not expecting. So I had ample income that I wasn't expecting. We were at Target just screwing around because Kyrie likes to go to Target. And we were off, so we were like, we'll go to Target. Walking around Target, we end up walking by the games. Um, and Kyrie says, I want to go play the demo thing over there. And it was the Switch one. Okay. And I said, okay, fair enough. And so I said, okay, we'll, we'll go try it. And oh my God, is it the most frustrating demo in the world? Because they have two switches over there for two, separated completely for two different purposes. One that's in handheld mode, but you cannot remove the Joy Cons because I don't want people stealing them. Right. Reasonably so. Uh, and then one that's connected to a TV and has multiple forms of controllers connected to it as well. But you can't con- you can't fix anything to change it to where you can actually use a single Joy Con. It's all depending on the game. Okay. So whatever the demo has built in is essentially what's going to let you do. So even though you can play Yoshi with one Joy-Con turned sideways, you cannot play it that way at the target demo because it won't, not, it won't let you activate and change the control setup to be just one Joy-Con. Um, so we just couldn't get it to work, and she was sad and bummed out, and I thought, you know, I've got extra money. I've been debating buying a Switch and whether I really wanted to. A lot of it came down to me just, you know, I have the money for it on average day-to-day thing, but it's not just completely disposable income. Right. So I decided, you know what? You did that again, too. I did. I, I told you. We'll, we'll talk about this after the episode. <laughs> but, you know, we ended up buying a Switch because Hannah was, you know, showing interest in playing it. Me and you talked about it. You had some games that I could borrow. Um, I even called you before I even did it. You know, we were kind of talking about it. And uh, we ended up buying it. And Kyrie came home, played Yoshi, ended up enjoying that. Hannah's been playing nothing but um, Mario Party and enjoying the hell out of that. 
And of course, I wasn't intended to really play it. And then I was like, I, after I beat Control, I was in that situation, the same thing I've been a couple times where I'm like, I don't know why. I just don't want to play anything else. Like, Control was great and it really fed me it through. And Remnant, I'm holding around. I've been playing it. I played yesterday with Mr. Stefan, uh, one of our listeners and community members. And, um, you know, I. I like that game, but I'm waiting to play it with people because I think it's most fun when you're playing with other people. Yeah. And then Control was really fun, but I got through with it and platinumed it. So I was kind of like sitting there on Wednesday, like, I don't know what to do. Uh, and I decided, you know what? I've got to switch. I might as well go get Astral Chain. So I did that. Been playing uh, Astral Chain a lot uh, and really only played my PlayStation again uh, yesterday whenever I was playing Remnant. So. It's been an interesting week for that. Uh, unlike Saw, I don't think you can expect to hear me talking about a lot of Switch games. It's just not a lot that I... I mean, the, to be fair, uh, in the entirety of the Switch's life point, this is probably the most interest that I've been in with games like Astral Chain and then uh, Zelda, which I will not be playing until Saul's done with it and I can borrow it from him if he doesn't mind <laughs> me yeah. doing that. Um, and then Pokemon. So those are the three games on the Switch that are immediately calling to me. But until Rune Factory 5, this is probably the only monthly couple of releases of uh, Switch games that I'll be playing. So you'll probably hear me playing about on PlayStation 4 as much, as long as I can get over this weird hump of not knowing what to play. But I do intend to get Borderlands. Uh, I do intend to get some... And this game is... This month is so stacked with games across the board that it's just, what are you going to do about it, you know? Uh, At some point, I'm just going with what we have. Are you going to pick out Room Factory 4 Remastered? No, because I've played that game... So much probably a thousand hours and i don't need to play it more i've told other people to pick it up <laughs> yeah i told seth to pick i'm gonna it up. pick it up again yeah it's, it's fantastic been it's been game. so long what five years now yeah don't get me wrong i could easily get back into it and love it but i don't need to do that to myself because it'll be all that i play um you gotta you gotta know your boundaries you know yeah it's like when i went back and dipped my toes into old school runescape for a little bit and that's all i played for two and a half weeks that's like your world of warcraft it is it is my world of warcraft uh and more precisely to what's going on right now in gaming news it's my world of warcraft classic you know because it is old school runescape and uh you know what that's a that's a great uh aaron uh when we went to dinner the other day i went with uh sunday actually went with uh jonathan and uh and aaron some of our buds over and ate chilies and we were talking about wow classic and how they're finally getting around to do something that runescape actually did a long time ago when runescape 2 first launched back in like 04 05 whatever it was the mm-hmm. original runescape was left up for people to keep playing even though it was no longer being updated and that lasted forever until they closed it like maybe five years ago and then before they closed it, they had old school RuneScape already back up so that you had not only RuneScape 3, but RuneScape 2 and RuneScape 1 you could all play in one little period. Uh, and that was cool. So it's nice to see other people doing that. So it's but, like the McRib of gaming. <laughs> yes. The McRib of gaming. It just comes back around when it wants to. Um, Makes I, sense. I don't know that they'd ever... Re- I guess they might. I don't know that they'd ever release RuneScape 1 again. It's such an old, really, really poorly done game because of the technology. They've always been playable on a browser up yeah. until now. Now you have to download a client um, with RuneScape 3. Why is everybody so. moving to clients? I guess maybe for RuneScape 3 it would matter. RuneScape 3 you had to because they switched to HTML, uh, which was odd, which they probably could have pulled off. In, and I might be lying. Maybe you can play on browser still, but I wouldn't want to because you get none of the options afforded to you that the client gives you, like full screen and UI scaling and all that stuff. So BlizzNet has, has soured me on any client that's not Steam. Oh, no, no. So it's not like a 
It's not like a conglomerate client where you download one thing and then you can download multiple games within it. All you're doing is essentially uh, oh, it's, it's just it's a, the game. It's then. a client for the game, but to launch. yeah, just to okay, launch. Okay, that's what you're talking about. Oh, where okay. used to RuneScape, they they introduced the client. I thought you were talking about they have like ago. other games they've made and it's all part of one big yeah no, client no, now. Like, no, dang. they've all Jagex has always done or Jagex as some people say have always done their games individual clients. So. Gotcha. Only other game I can really think of that I've played of that they did was a Transformers browser-based game that was actually kind of full cool. It was uh, you could transform in real time and go around and fight other people. It was weird, um, but also been a long bit. Anyway, we're gonna get this show on the road the normal way, and I need to pull all this stuff up to do so. Sure. And that is with our community's take section. So. What for, we talked about, go ahead, Saul. I was going to say, for those that don't know, we ask you guys at the end of every episode to ask us, or no, for we ask you guys, I, that was a reader mail right there, that was habit from saying yeah, reader mail. Coming in, are you missing uh, reader mail already? <laughs> slightly, but uh, <laughs> we ask you guys uh, to give us your thoughts and opinions on the episode and where you want to weigh in on the topics that we discuss, and we ask it, of course, over Twitter, Discord, and Facebook. And we try to answer a good chunk of them, but of course we don't have the time to answer all of them, just in case one day we have 500 of them. But uh, one on Twitter that I really like was our good buddy Derek over there. Uh, He says, this has to, and this is also a context for the question, I guess. Yeah, get the question out. Do microtransactions in side parts of games bother you, or do you view it separately from the main game so it's a non-issue? Before you answer, just to expound on that, and I... it brought it to my attention because Liam said, would you like to give an example? And the example actually ties into last week's episode, which is NBA 2K20. This microtransaction thing is specifically within the, um, it's specifically within the my team section, which as far as I know, I haven't played the game only really affects that part of the game. So the question is in larger, just to reiterate here, would that sour you off from buying the game completely, even though it's something you may not touch just out of principle? Or if it's not in a main section of the game that will essentially affect the littlest amount of people as possible, right? are you generally okay with it and just ignore it? And then Derek, he says, this is said by many others, and I share the same feeling. As long as loot boxes or microtransactions do not give the player an unfair advantage over those that choose to not throw money at the game, then I could care less. $5 for a weapon skin? Go ahead. I agree. I like games like Overwatch that has pretty much a skin shop or, you know, that's pretty much what you're getting is in-game currency and skins and and other emotes and stuff like that. Same thing what Destiny does, in-game skins, you know, vehicles and stuff that have no effect on gameplay, all aesthetic stuff. I agree. It's fine for that. Here's what's interesting about that. Uh, And let me bring it up over on Facebook, actually. Um, If I'm remembering correctly, the who responded. Yes. Uh, Liam specifically brought up Overwatch as well as Chad. So Mr. Chad Van Horn said, if the microtransaction is purely for cosmetic reasons uh, or cosmetic items like Overwatch loot boxes, I have no problem with them. However, when they're used to give someone an edge up over other players, I don't like it. I think it puts the idea into people's heads that if you want to stand a chance in the game without endless grinding, then you need to drop money on loot boxes packs, which for the most part mirrors what Derek is saying. Yeah. But in response to that, Liam actually said his issue with Overwatch's system, it, it kind of comes back to something I agree with too, is it takes forever to get a box only to get dumb crap for characters you don't use. So you resort to play or to paying for boxes to try and get a skin but end up with a bunch of stuff for others. And I, I've not played Overwatch either in a long time or at all. I can't genuinely remember. Um, but one of the things that I do have issue with on that too is 
there isn't loot boxes tend to be the issue is when it's randomized you don't know what you're getting for the money you're spending right uh, and that does tend to be a problem with me as well now I think if the uh, in the general spirit of the question I I mainly agree with as long as it is ultimately cosmetic only it doesn't bother me as much as the idea of a loot box just when you dig into it is like well you're still spending on money on essentially gambling you know mm-hmm. you you don't know what you're getting I do love and this is going to tie into what Mr. Danny Candyman Villalobos Villalobos I don't know tell me how I need to say that man <laughs> uh, sorry if I butchered it he says the main problem is always the pay to win some FPS games have like we've been kind of mirroring across here one of the problems I have with games like Fortnite though where they only give cosmetics through microtransactions ideally the best way to do microtransactions would be the format Warfare, uh, Warframe uses to where you can essentially play the whole game for free if you choose to and the store with weapons and frames if you want to purchase funnily enough the best weapons and mods in Warframe cannot be purchased in the store yeah and that ties into the bigger thing for me of I don't mind microtransactions at all. I think that it's great to give the option to support people further with things that don't affect any kind of gameplay in a large scheme. I mean, I guess you can say that the way you look affects gameplay because it can affect the way that you feel about the gameplay. If you feel like you look cool, you're like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it gives you something to chase after, too. Exactly. I mean, and it can add a layer for you if that's something you want to go after. But one thing I appreciate about Destiny is that Destiny does give you options to get... Every time you level up, you get an Ingram that can give you a random item from there. Now, that's not quite being able to get everything through the game just with money or in-game currency as much as it's essentially the game giving you a free loot box. But the thing that's weird about Destiny is that every item can be purchased separately or you can buy loot boxes if you wanted to just to see what you get because you can technically save money and get a bunch of items in one thing, right? I've never done it. You've been the person who's done the Eververse more than anybody. So if you want to explain that, go on ahead. I mean, yeah, like when you look at games like Destiny 2, where they yeah. have, like, I've said it before, they have the skins for the for the Whisper Weapon. Mm-hmm. Literally funded an extra mission. Yeah, but what I mean by that is, uh, like, in Destiny, because I've never used Eververse, but you have, I know that you can buy packs of Ingrams, which essentially is like a loot box. You can't buy packs of Ingrams. Anymore? Or ever? Well, I mean, you could buy Bright Dust to buy the Ingrams. Okay. So gotcha. you, you buy the bright dust, and then the bright dust you can then use on Ingrams, or then you can use on. But anything you can get from within an Ingram, you can still get in the game naturally, where you can just actually see it and buy it direct, right? Uh, with uh, a currency, with silver or whatever. It's yeah, called. with with now that's how they've made their new oops their uh, their new uh, system is that you used to be able to like buy stuff with bright dust, and then the Ingrams or whatever were hundred percent randomized, and some of the things were locked to those Ingrams. But now it's like you could buy those things with just straight up bright dust. You go buy it, so you don't have to. You don't have to buy Ingrams anymore unless you just okay. So they're have, going in the direction of what I like, which yeah. is good. And yeah. then by by the time, the, and then that whole system will be done of or done away in Shadowkeep. It'll be a brand new system that okay. will be fully expounded upon what they've been going towards. Okay, yeah, that so. makes sense. Uh, just to uh, let's see, throw in one of the ones from our Discord. Considering that Mr. Josh Ayers is the one who reminded me to put it out there. Thank you, man. <laughs> uh, he says, if it's a side feature or a single player game where you want to speed up grinding or grind or, or something, I have no problem. Even if it is cosmetic to a degree, I don't care as long as it is not giving you an advantage against other players with. And across the board, it seems like that's the answer is that the majority of our community, at least, and I think it maybe is actually reflective of gamers at large, is that the majority of us don't care about cosmetics. Yeah. I think the people care about the things that go in and, and completely destroy the game. Like one of the examples that was thrown out there and, and said was, I want to say it was Chad talking about playing Madden and using the, essentially the same feature, the My Team feature, and 
he started, and essentially the cards that you end up with is going to determine how good you do. So if you just go out and spend a ton of money on cards, you can never even get a, get caught back up in the leg because of the way they designed this. The the not only the the feature in the game mode, but also the way they designed the microtransactions is that if you just want to dump a hundred dollars into the game, you have a much higher chance of getting great cards. And then once you're there, you're done. Yeah. Essentially, if you don't want to spend money on cards, you've got to sl- try and slowly grind through and win to get cards, yeah. and you're never going to do it's, it. It's if somebody a, else it's spent a the money. paid shortcut. It's the same thing of where it's pay to win in a smaller section of the game yeah you know essentially so yeah i I completely agree with that uh but one thing that was brought up that um and yeah just because this one actually goes really well into it i want to see if i can find it oh yeah okay mr brian lett uh this is the last one we'll do he says micros only bother me when it either hinders it hinders the actual game or can be used as a competitive advantage in multiplayer examples of each would be ac odyssey or shadow of mordor for the first where the ai is arbitrarily hard to push you into micros and star wars battlefront 2 for the second now he brings up two games that are very in particular i didn't know my, i didn't know battlefront 2 had pay to win was it pay to win into it the beginning that's what that was an issue you don't remember when it first launched and then had the we had the episode about the microtransactions the microtransactions that people had problems with it is that it had pay to win that's things right that for get. some reason we've been doing this a lot i was thinking that was battlefront one. Oh yeah okay. no that was battlefront two no, that was battlefront two before they turned everything around and gotten people on their side but he brings up two games in particular that i've one that i've shared issues with and one that i did not have issues with but it's changed so much uh you and I were talking about Shadow of Mordor. We'll talk about that one first, if I'm not mistaken. It was me and you talking about Shadow of Mordor and how I did not have any problem with needing to buy anything or feeling like I needed to buy anything to speed up the end game. Right. But you brought up a good point of, I played that game and beat it at launch. The game apparently got worse later on. I don't know if got it got better. I don't know if it got worse, but it got fixed where it wasn't grindy towards the end game. And, it, and they basically made it easier. Well, I played it at launch. So at yeah. launch, the game was made where it wasn't really bad. And it, and I considered it completely post-content. So it's the, it's the idea that even like games like Batman Arkham Knight used, where you have to 100% the game, essentially, to get to a true ending, which is like the other ending completely yeah. works. But if you want this extra layer of an ending that kind of changes the way you perceive the ending before it, then that's what Shadow of Mordor had. The one little difference there. Or like, actually, I should say Shadow of War. Because yeah. I think he brings up Shadow of Mordor, but I don't think the first Shadow of Mordor had any microtransactions. I don't think it did either. I think, I think yeah, I think he does what I do, where I get those two games confused just yes. to the name um, but i also think that like you compared it to arkham knight there's a slight difference there though and i think you can buy things to make your improvement better in one game versus just collectible grinding in another essentially you, you can you can buy uh better orcs to to essentially just give you a better chance at going through the 10 things but it's just time yeah and there's nothing really about that if you're okay at the game and you have a decent orc collection from the campaign that you carried over then you can go through the 10 levels of the shadow wars or whatever they were called uh i got through six of them right and i was just kind of like eh, this is just boring to me i wasn't having a problem with them but it was just boring the only thing you can really do to improve it is just or the only thing you can really do to help you is if you don't have good orcs you can buy better orcs to try and fill out your rank so they have a higher chance of, of succeeding but all it comes down to is that you had to do those 10 missions to begin with the 10 mm-hmm. takeovers or whatever you want to call them um but he brings up AC Odyssey, uh, and then we'll wrap this up. AC Odyssey is the one that really stuck out with me. I played the game about probably four to six months ago, uh, and Josh uh, Ayers over in Discord actually mentioned that as well, that he played it about three months ago. And I felt like that game really slowed down 
in an effort to try and convince players to go and buy the XP boost, which essentially would be that you'd spend $10 one time on the game, then you'd go through and you, and you would actually level up in a way that felt like what the game should have been at launch. Uh, and I, I looked at a lot of people talking about the feature and that every one of them said that this feels like what the game should have been. And right. I did not feel any kind of that in Origins. I beat Origins, played it, no problem. But I felt it terribly in Odyssey. It's like I was doing as much side stuff, if not even more than what I was doing in Odyssey. But every time I try and go through, I get a new main story mission and it'd be 20, well, not really, but it'd be like 10 levels ahead of me. You never beat the game because of that, right? No. Yeah. And I I beat Origins and I ended up trading the game in because it just wore me down. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that there's issues to be had with microtransactions, but I think the bigger point that I can pull out of this is that a lot of people agree that there are ways to do microtransactions that feel the least invasive in a way that most people don't care. You know? Right. So uh, we'll go on with that, and we'll head into the news before we get going. So let's see. And if you ever want to check out the news, be sure to check out our cool partner website, Final Weapon, at finalweapon.net. Yep. And don't put www in front of it, apparently. I figured that out. It leads to a profile. When I was trying to type to it, I was trying to, because uh, Derek, one of our patrons, was asking what the website we always mentioned was that had op-eds and stuff. And... Um, it surprised me. That well, that, maybe it's mobile because it just led to the regular website here. I, yeah, maybe it was because I was on my phone when I was trying to do it. Yeah, but yeah. It, either way, when you uh, the way I figured it out is when you go to share the link from your phone. Oh, it pulls the a, link only says HTTPS. Gotcha. So that's backslash, backslash, it's not a website problem. It's Android problem or maybe or share problem. Maybe who knows? But we're gonna hop into news real quick. And the first thing on news is for people who like Diablo and have been thinking about getting Torchlight. The it was recently released digitally on PS4, but if you wanted to get it physical, uh, the date for the physical release is November fifteenth, and for the great price of twenty bucks, same price digitally. I really appreciate when games uh, come out that are the same price physically as they are digitally but i also understand being completely okay with paying 10 more dollars or five more dollars for a physical copy on a game that came later physically you know what i mean yeah uh, I, I don't mind but it is nice to see them at the same uh, level and i've been debating getting torchlight too i have it on pc but i just never really care to play it it's very similar to diablo where i played I, it on pc i didn't wasn't a fan i want to play it with PS4 Diablo controls. I want to move my character with an analog stick and not clicking. You know, it's just the carpal tunnel that you get from that. Games like Diablo are incredible. Yeah. And I hated it. You know, I never want to go back to that time again. That's true. Uh, So I will play that game on PlayStation and consoles until the next one releases. Probably not Diablo. I've I've burned myself out in Diablo, but I might play Torchlight too. And if anybody wants to play with me, let me know. Might pick it up even beforehand. I think there was some talk about uh, Kiki and other people getting it. So if you did, let me know. I'll hop in and play with you guys. Uh, Next up, originally launched with no DLC on the uh, in the release and no plans to add the DLC. Uh, Borderlands 2 VR gets 16 different DLC packs added to the game completely free of charge. These include the four main content packs that brought new story for it, uh, as well as the two new vault classes, uh, vault hunter classes, which are Mechromancer and Psycho. And this is awesome news. They have done completely across the board. They've shored up every single problem that I had with the game when they first announced it, which was unlike Skyrim VR, which included all of the content on it in VR. This one did not have any of the story DLC. It did not have the extra two people into it, which made no sense to me. It did not support the aim controller 
and which is obviously the best thing for it. But they've done everything. They've added aim support, which helped the game immensely. It's way more fun to play. Uh, and I think that adding the DLC justifies people wanting to pay fifty dollars for a game that they probably already 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 owned. Um, or worst case. They want to try it, but are like, not. I can't even play the full game now because I want to play it in VR for my first time, but the DLC is not there. Yeah. Um, this all seems to come as like a... Do you remember so when they when they had the big PAX panel for Borderlands 3, they kind of had like a concerted effort to be like, we're going to try and just really sell the Borderlands name. We're going to go back and we're going to release Borderlands 1 on PS4 and 4K. We're going to go back and update the Handsome Collection in 4K and with new textures across the board. Then we're going to come and we're going to add the DLC to uh, Borderlands VR, to VR. And then we're going to come out with Borderlands 3 and there's going to be a free DLC or something that hits and you can play between them. And I think it was a great idea because how do you get people to want to buy something if you feel like there's disjointed? I'm not going to say that. I guess it's just that it feels like it's really good it's goodwill being thrown out to people who have bought the games in the past. Be like, hey, here you go. Something nice for you. Um, would you play uh, Borderlands 2 in VR if you had one? Do you think you would? Not your type of game for it. No. Curious. Cause do you have a reason why you're not getting Borderlands 3? Realistically, just not enough time for the games I want to play. Fair. Because I do want to go through like, game, like, like Dragon Quest XI, Link's mm-hmm. Awakening. All this is all coming out within like a week of each other on the Switch. So it's yes. like really hard. Oop, my bad. And then playing Minecraft on my PS4 for now. It's kind of like, you know, I might, but also it sees that Borderlands like a four-player game, and it seems like just exactly four people on our Discord are getting it. So it seems like it's just going to be, there's going to be times like Destiny, like where everybody's on, but you can't play with people because they're already in a group. So it's like, well, this is just a waste of time. That's fair. That happens on Remnant every now and then, you know, where uh, it's only three-player, so it's exacerbated worse. Which is part of Destiny's problem, you know? Yeah. But thankfully, four, four players does help a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's a good question. I don't really know. I want to play with people if I can, and that's really the way I, I'd prefer to play the game. I really don't have interest in buying the game and playing it by myself. Yeah, and that's the thing is that if I buy the game and I try to play it and if there's already a squad of three, like, well, what else am I going to do with it? Like, maybe there's one person not playing, but technically a squad of four, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like th- there might be one or two other people not playing, but that's a gamble. Yeah, it's true. And then you you get in the mood to play it, and then nobody to play it on, and it's like, well, I don't want to play it by myself, and then you just don't play it. Yeah, it, it, It's a risk you run into with any kind of game like that, I guess. That's fair. Uh, next up, Indie Darling Celeste's free Chapter 9 expansion is coming on September 9th. What's the day this episode goes live? Uh, as well as the dev team sticking together under the newly formed Extremely OK Games. So I love that name. If you wanted to do, if you liked more of what they were doing, they're the ones that did Towerfall, Ascension, uh, and of course Celeste. Then yeah, there you go. They have they are moving forward together, and that's pretty cool. Next up, Pixel Opus, the developer behind the upcoming exclusive Concrete Genie for PS4, has announced that the game has gone gold ahead of its October eighth release date. So congratulations to them, and I hope that this game comes out does really well and does not have any major problems because. It really sucks when a game comes goes gold and then you still hear about all the problems and it's like ah makes like like just that that's when you really kind of like delays for it's, games that you really care about. It's weird too because it feels like going gold a month ahead of release seems like a long time. Yeah, but you've got to get the gold over and let it be mass manufactured and then you've got to let it be put into manu- into plastic cases and everything and wrapped up and sent out and shipped and arrived to where they can hand them out day not, one. Not it does mention, take time. Yeah, not to mention that like when stuff comes out about games that's something about broken, it's typically way past the point of fixing 
in that sense, like pre-patching before the game even shoots. Yeah, fair. Well, and, and and that's a good point to bring up too, is that you do get the option of, typically when a game goes gold, they immediately start working on a day one update of any of the problems that they yeah. didn't know of. And now they're probably, there might even be a day one update for Concrete Genie, but what you hope is that the game on the disc for most people is playable. That way you get the people who are impatient, like I am sometimes ago, just start the thing, I don't care about the update. You know? Yeah. I do that every now and then. I'm like, unless I know and heard this game has got really rough performance I, issues. I did that with Spider-Man because it literally took an hour and a half for it to inst- like to install the game from disc. Well, my physical copy literally took that long. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, all right, next thing up, Sony have announced they will indeed be present at TGS 19, so Tokyo Game Show, uh, announcing their live stream schedule for the event. Every game being shown is an already announced title, sadly, with the title we know the least about being a showing of Capcom's recently announced Project Resistance, which we talked about last uh, episode. It's their new fourth Resident game Evil in a game. sci-fi uh, world set in World War II. It feels like it could work with that. <laughs> um, what if what if Capcom started doing Resistance Four? That would be very odd. Mainly because I don't feel like that developer has any kind of pedigree in first person shooters. Uh, Resident Evil Seven. That's the closest <laughs> that you have. Um, I don't know. I don't know who I'd feel comfortable. Genuinely speaking, I can't think of a developer that comes to mind that immediately would be the perfect choice. The closest to perfect I can think of is uh, the team over at uh, A4 Games or whatever it is, the people behind Metro. I feel like the Metro series at its core understands a lot of what the Resistance series was trying to do. You know what I I would think would be a good match? Hmm. Stick with me. Okay. Bungie. Not at all. I, I... I don't mean this in any kind of way. It's uh, it's like if Halo suddenly started playing like Resistance, wouldn't you kind of be like, "What the hell?" I never, I didn't, I don't remember playing Resistance. Okay, I'm trying to think of a game that you did play that is just so drastically different. And I mean this all the way down to controls. The Resistance games control differently. They don't even use the yeah, same they buttons. Use the tra- they use the uh, L1 R ones to shoot name. That was on PS3. All games on PS3 did that. I hate that. Uh, but if they remastered them, of course, or if they came out with a new one, it would be Switch. I hope. <laughs> uh, I mean, Gorilla did it with Killzone, Killzone Shadowfall. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, either Which way. Which is weird, because the first Killzone didn't use L1 and R1 to shoot aim. They used L2 and R2, didn't they? I don't know. On PS2? Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they did. It's been so long since I've played it. But the, but the problem that a lot of people have with the triggers on that is that because of the way they were shaped, it would just automatically do if you set it down. So a lot of people just avoided putting important stuff on that. PS4 controller is. <laughs> I don't have that problem. Uh, you're one of the only people that don't have that problem. But setting like in your lap and then moving around or something, all of a sudden, like you hit. I don't set it on my lap. I guess if I'm setting my controller down, it's going on my desk in front of me. No, I, 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 or if I'm in the chair, it just goes on the chair beside me. Yeah, but nobody has like a big old round camouflage <laughs> chair. <laughs> oh, I know the pillow is camouflage. Yeah, the, ca- the, the pillow is camouflage. I don't. Ca- I don't care for camo. It's just it's my grandpa's pillow. I'm repping. There you go. But I thought it came with the couch. <laughs> <laughs> nope. With a chair, I guess. Whatever yeah. that thing is. Anyway, the rest of that, of course, is Project Resistance will be there. We'll probably get to see the first real bit from it, as well as maybe the announcement of what the game actually will be named. Um, and as well as that, uh, we'll get you can catch updates on Neo 2, Yakuza 7, and Final Fantasy 7 Remake, as well as some other games. Um, turns out, as far as we can tell, um, it may be on the show floor, but in terms of new stuff, we're not going to see anything from Ghost of Tsushima, sadly. Um which would have been very fitting. Do you hear the rumor that that's no longer a PS4 game? 
It's a PS5 game at this I've point. I've seen it swirling around, but I think if anything, it'd be a cross-gen game at that point. You I hate know? cross-gen games. I really hope not. I don't know. I don't. I can't think of a developer on a first-party studio from a, from a manufacturer that typically have very high quality of their games that has done cross-gen yet. I don't think anybody's done it. I don't. Think, I don't remember Microsoft doing it. I don't remember Nintendo doing it. If anybody was going to do it and be able to do it right, I would imagine it would be the first party team that's very intimate with the hardware. And they could understand if you're really intimate, like, okay, say Horizon, this is just a, a not that it's going to happen, it's not. But say Horizon Zero Dawn 2 or whatever it's going to be called um, was a PS4, PS5 release. If anybody in my mind was going to be able to do it, Gorilla, who are very, very familiar with the PS4 and had that game running smoothly, so much so that Death Stranding is going to run off that engine, they know the PS4 well enough. They're the ones who were one of the first people to do a really well-scaled game for the PS4 Pro. I feel like if anybody's going to be able to scale between the two... It'd be Gorilla. ...to the absolute best of the... Like, where you couldn't tell. where you like Optimizing uh, yeah, and everything. You, it would feel like a PS5 game on PS5, and it would feel like a PS4 game... I guess the only reason I'm worried on PS4. Because when you think back, like this, this wasn't a real big issue until last gen. Well... Cross gen, the issue that came from it is that it was more this gen. It was that games. Well, that's what I mean is that the transition from last gen into this gen. Yeah, because like, um, and and some of them were cross gen because they didn't remaster them. They just re released them, like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed. And they ran poorly, which is why I didn't like like them. um, Dragon Age Inquisition and um, Thief. Thief, which, you know, I played Thief and. It was more like it, it looked fine as an next gen title, but it didn't look as good as good you'd as, yeah. And that's why I don't like those because games. because it was held back. Yeah, it, it, you can tell, and then even sometimes like Call of Duty Ghost had performance issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From trying to go over, or they just felt like they barely bumped something up, like Assassin's Creed Four. Uh, you couldn't tell anything was in there. Like, don't wrong. It was a it, if anything, it, it was a better at, looking PS3 game. It was, it was impressive. As I think a PS3 it actually game. ran at 1080p, didn't it? On PS3, I don't think so. No, on PS4. Oh yeah, on PS4. Yeah, okay. of course it did, but. Either way, I get you. Cross-gen is a very weird situation. Yeah, maybe if they do it right this gen, who knows? But they've talked about cross-gen with Final Fantasy VII Remake as well. They wanted to have the game be prepped so that when it cross-gen's over, the PS5 and next-gen consoles would be able to tap into the higher detailed stuff. That game's going to be so weird. Who knows, man? Everybody keeps talking about how they're so worried about the next release being on PS5 and how does that carry your saves and stuff forward and if it does, which, of course, we've talked about on Reader Mail. But moving along, Ikumi Nakamura, the creative director behind Bethesda's Ghostwire Tokyo, shown at this year's E3, has announced that she has left the company a mere three months after her showing, after her showing garnered her internet fame and goodwill. Bethesda issued a statement wishing her luck in future endeavors and reiterating that Tango Gameworks is still led by the legendary Shinji Mikami and assures that we will see updates on the game in the coming months. Uh, So it sounds like as far as Bethesda is willing to say right now, the game is not going to be affected in terms of releasing. Uh, So they're going to go ahead and stick with the game. This is a shame. She had a lot of energy. I like that. Yeah. She, she she did get picked up and gave Bethesda a lot of goodwill in a conference that otherwise a lot of people did not care for. Yeah. Uh, I think that Ghost Tokyo, uh, Tokyo Ghost, or whatever, Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, was one of the better showings. Um, yeah. <laughs> and going through all that, it's it's a shame to lose somebody who was so specific about it. You're going to see Saw for a split second. There you go. Saw your nipple looked hard. Yeah, it definitely, definitely did. Either way, 
Next thing up on the list, in light of fears that Anthem and BioWare at large might be in jeopardy, studio head KC Hudson took to the BioWare blog to give updates on their games, as well as reiterate their commitment to Anthem as the team works behind the scenes to strike a balance between getting new content up often enough to hold players over until their longer-term vision is ready. This all concluded with the announcement that the Edmonton studio is moving into a new state-of-the-art facility with three large floors of office space custom design for future game development, seemingly showing EA's continued investment and trust in the future of the studio. And this is interesting to me primarily because I get so many people saying Bioware's done, Bioware's done. You know, we all we saw the guy from Anthem leave, Ben Irving. We saw the other guy from Dragon Age 4 leave. And we're in this situation where it looks like things are falling apart. But I don't think the EA would have invested in a new space and a new studio after all this stuff if they did not really believe that the stu- that the studio was going to do well and had a future with them. As well as the fact that as much as I know people had that sentiment in their heart, I think that sales ultimately matter more than anything. And despite the fact that the critical, critical reception for Anthem was spotty and rough, um, as well as the fan reception... Uh, Regardless of all that, the game still sold very well, and it's still one of the top-selling games of this year. So I guess it comes down to EA doesn't feel the stress just yet to get rid of them because it's not led directly to a shift in sales. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda did not sell as they expected, but that also wasn't the main team. It was a satellite studio in Austin handling a franchise that they probably shouldn't have been. Who knows? Um so I, I don't know. It's it's only Edmonton moving. They're going to be the ones behind Dragon Age Four. They're going to be they're still behind Anthem, though the uh, the Austin branch here in Texas is doing the same thing uh, in terms of working on Anthem with them. It's a dual support studio effort. Hard to say. But I think this ultimately is a good thing. Uh, moving on to the next thing, Koi Tecmo announced a game adaptation of the popular fairy tale manga and anime series. The trailer, putting emphasis on magic, guilds, and RPG elements, shows a 2020 release for the game, which is being developed by Gust, the studio behind the Atelier series, uh, with more info promised for TGS 2019. So, of course, if you want to see more about that and you like fairy tale, um, then you can go check it out at Tokyo Game Show this year. Saul's back. Yay. Did you wash your hands? No, I actually told Kyrie yesterday we were going to the bathroom and the, our mall doesn't have paper towels. <laughs> that was a visual treat right there. Um, but you know, our mall doesn't have paper towels in their bathroom. So what do I, they have? That little air blower thing. Oh, them things are hate. disgusting, dude. Yeah, they I just blow bacteria everywhere. So anyway, I always avoid them, and Kyra was like, well, I don't want to use that. And I said, you don't have to worry about it. And <laughs> I said, plus, if your hands are still wet when you come out of the bathroom, you get to hit them with the old, oh, I peed on my hand thing, which is a classic joke. Uh, anyway, moving well, it on. It works when you're her age, though. Yeah, definitely. It gets a lot weirder when you're 26 and going, hey, I peed on my hands. And they're rubbing it on somebody that you don't know. Yeah. Classic times. That was a killer joke in school. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you just look them dead in the eye. You just lick where they just wipe the hands. And be like, yeah, tastes good. <laughs> yeah, you've got to sell it with a straight face. They're getting some dickish at best moments on this podcast. Hey, it's okay. They need those. Uh, next up, and we're getting very close to being done. Death Stranding has been revealed to follow in the footsteps of many other PlayStation exclusives with a very easy mode for players who want to focus on the story without the challenge potentially halting progress. We've seen similar modes added in post to games like Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, Kojima likens this to a mode for movie fans and more casual people who don't typically play games which I think is fair. A lot of people 
I've never understood this. The option to play a game incredibly easy should never be an issue to me. Except in games where they're known for their difficulty. Dark Souls. Oh, yeah, fair. But, uh, or Souls-like. Well, okay. Hold on. We've, you know, we, we talked about that in our episode about Sekiro and people calling for it to have an easy mode. But I think it's more than that. It's Again, it's the option to do so when the developer intended it. So in this case, yes. in this, this case, is perfectly fine. Kojima's looking and saying, "Hey, you know what? This is a movie. This is a game that I, you know, he he's been recently viewing games more as movies. And if you follow him, he talks about movies a lot. It's yeah. one of his biggest things. He wanted to get a lot of actors who are actually in film and television. And uh, Snake uh, was uh, based off of Snake Pl- Pliskin. Pliskin from yeah. the Escape from, from New York, uh, New York, and Escape from L.A. Both uh, yeah. series. I forgot. So yeah, L.A. was a thing. But when you look at that and you go through all these." It's reasonable to go. This is somebody who wants somebody to enjoy a story because at, at the core of what he's doing, you know, he talks about game design being holistic. At the core of what he's doing, the majority of what's selling him on this idea is the story and how the gameplay ties into the story, which still does te- seem to be more on it's a feature that is ultimately there to try and buoy another part of the story of like, hey, this is just we're tying back in. So for him to want to say, I want a very easy mode so that people can roll through and enjoy the story, I, th- I don't think that's weird. If you really think about it, Dark Souls across the board, and even a game like Sekiro, uh, those are games that tell a lot of their story in lore, and you've yeah. got to do a lot of digging and playing, and there's a lot of people who will play them, enjoy them for the challenge, and still not understand the story at all. Yeah. Then you have people who will play them for the challenge, and then also take on the ex- the added challenge of figuring out the story. Yeah, that's our fun favorite parts. So when you look at that, I completely get it, you know, you, you and you try your best, but that kind of game is very different, you know. It doesn't have a core story that makes sense for people to try and go after. But games like Horizon and a lot of what Sony does, which are very story-driven games that do have fun gameplay that can be challenging if you want them to be, it's nice for them to go back and, like you know, them adding a mode for very easy into Horizon when Horizon already had difficulty modes or was going to add hard difficulty and whatnot makes total sense. It's a game that has a story. that It has difficulty modes already, so yeah. might as well make it like, it's like Halo. Halo does it perfectly fine. Easy, normal, heroic the intended difficulty mm-hmm. and then legendary if you want to challenge yeah exactly so and yeah we've seen that across the board in a lot of games but yeah i, I, I think it does depend it's a game specific thing but there were people furious that this game is going to have a very easy thing and it just it's it's always perplexing mean, yeah it's, it, if it intended it from the start to have it and it's not part of a series that is known for their difficulty being the selling part of the series then yeah it's fun yeah Last thing up on the docket, Code Vein, the anime-inspired Dark Souls-like game, has a playable demo available for those interested to try the game before potentially buying it when it releases on September 27th. So, so I yeah. enjoyed the beta. It seems like the demo is going to be the same section as the beta where you get to go through, create your character, begin the game, go through to a certain section. What's Why, why, why is it the same? Is it just because it's they want everybody to experience the same thing? I think it's just that the beta was there for actual technical purposes, and now they're just like, this is a good opening part. We've already kind of sectioned it off for the beta. We can, you know, tighten that up a little bit more, give it out to people. Oh, wait, never mind. I'm getting the the demo confused with the – what was the alpha? Was the alpha the same as the beta? Do you know? We played the network connection test, or I did. I don't think you ever got around to it. I downloaded Um, it, but I just – I didn't end up That was essentially a beta. Okay. For specifically seeing how the game ran with other players playing together. Did they not have an alpha? No. Okay, I thought they did for some reason. Never no, mind. I'm not. If, I thought I, this was the third iteration of a demo for this game. Might be, but I don't think so. Uh, either way, this, you know, this might be a game I pick up too for PS4. This this was the game I was I was trying to think of earlier. When oh, that comes name, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was this and Man of Madon. 
Yeah, okay. This one I'm on the fence of. Man, I'm a Don. I'm for sure getting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If, if you didn't play the beta, is it good that the demo's there? You know, yeah. the thing about the beta is it's closed access for a small group of people that are following the game closely enough and just chomping at the bits to play it. But a demo is something that's good because it goes up for perpetuity. You know, if somebody wants to try the game out a year from now, they can go, hey, there's a demo. Pick it up, I, play and, it, and and I like it. demos for that exact purpose. Yeah, you know, we were talking Dragon about Quest demos 11, coming back around. And Dragon Quest XI's demo is 11 hours long. Yeah, I know. That's still crazy to me. Perfect. Um, but that's the last thing up on the list, so we can get moving into the main topic. Like we said, uh, main topic came from Mr. Josh Shoot, longtime listener, good buddy. And you know what? It was in the middle of a conversation him and I were having in Discord about all these games coming out that I'm looking forward to playing for the switch and how depressing it's gotten being in a, as an adult and not having the time to play everything because when you were a kid you know you wished games were longer because you had all the free time in the world especially during stuff like summer breaks now that we're an adult it's almost like there are instances in time when we are looking for games that are shorter because we know we're not going to have a lot of time yeah i played through astral chain on casual just so I can get through the game's story to make sure I'll have enough time before the Switch comes out because I didn't know that I would have enough time. Anything could happen, and I didn't know. So now that I finished it, I'm really excited to start New Game Plus and stuff when I get my Switch Lite and go back through at harder difficulties, uh, and Platinum Games are notorious for them, and New Game Plus modes. So harking back to a conversation that we were having about how there are games that we that we've all played and stuff that we thought were too long. Now as an adult, uh, that's a key factor. But then games maybe as kids or games that we played when we had more free time that we wish were longer and kind of games that we're going to go back and look at into this topic is what those are going to be. And I want everybody to know from the start, this is a very subjective topic. This is stuff that we think should be shorter or longer based on our experiences and playing them. That doesn't mean that the devs should have cut parts of the game on purpose, or it doesn't mean that the game was cheaply made and got out real quick and it's just a, a cash grab. It's it's based off of our experiences with the games. Yeah, and part of the fun of that is it lends itself incredibly well to a really fun community topic because everybody's going to have different answers on this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I thought was probably Stop the way cheating. that... I'm, I, you're, I'm not even... I can't genuinely see your screen. Well, I'm going to um, exit off of but it. But either way... The thing that I kind of thought would lead me into this topic is something that me and ironically uh, Josh were already talking about the other day, which is, uh, you know, he posted there's a there's a meme that goes around on Facebook or maybe you call it me, maybe not. But either way, it's just a little picture. It's the thing that's been posted by Kiki as well, where somebody puts names on different lunch tables and says, what's table you're sitting at? You yeah. Know? And, you know, I was talking about it. There's a couple games on there. Uh, and the one that I went with in particular was was of all the games that were shown, the one that had the most genuine interest and kind of curiosity in and what I would really be trying to bank myself with is Final Fantasy 7 Remake of all the stuff that was listed. But one of the games that was listed that I said, you know, this is why I'm not doing this one uh, was Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, the RPG game that they're coming out with. And the reason being was that every time that they've shown that game, it just looks massive, but it looks empty. And it looks like back in the PS2 days when, uh, and, 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 Every game does this differently, so don't take this as a slide against it. But do you remember Shadow of the Colossus being huge? Yeah. But there's on purpose nothing in it? because yeah, it's, it's kind purposely. Of, imp- it's, it's the idea of letting the limitations of the software also give you a story limitation. Yeah. This is called the Forbidden Lands. Life is not supposed to immediately and easily live here. Yeah. And these Colossus make it hard for that to happen. And they're supposed to be the primary show. So it's like... 
they look at the limitation of the console, then they kind of do this. But there were other games on PlayStation Two that had made who that had bigger open worlds like that for no reason, and they were just empty or bland and boring. And every bit of what I'm feeling from this feels like a late PS2 game with like late PS3 graphics. And maybe it's just because of the way they're showing it that the graphics look like that to me. But across the board, it looks like a double A Dragon Ball game that's just trying to capitalize on the popularity of Dragon Ball as it's bounced back up because of Super. And of course, the last couple of games doing really well with it, with Xenoverse One and Two doing pretty well. Of course, Dragon Ball Fighters doing very well and looking very beautiful. It's like they're just trying to capitalize in on all this. And it looks to me like this is going to be a perfect example of a game that's going to be long for no reason whatsoever than other just to have a big world that has you doing a bunch of pointless stuff to it can try and sell itself as this, look, this is the first time we've done an open-world Dragon Ball Z game, but it's not what I want from an open-world Dragon Ball Z game. And if you can't do what I think plenty of people are probably expecting of it, then what's really the point? And that's where I stand. That's, that's one of my games, and it's not out yet, but I'm willing to bet it's going to be a game that's big and empty. Yeah. So uh, what's one of yours? Mine uh, for now. This two, is, we're starting on the which should be shorter. Yeah, which should be shorter. Yeah. And mine would be God of War, um, not necessarily because of anything in the story, but it was how worn out I felt by the end of it. Yeah, I it's, remember you saying that. It's rare that a game starts the final chapter, the the ending, or it starts winding down, and it, it's very rare for me to feel like okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, stop happening, like stop having weird pacing problems, let's go, let's finish it. God of War did that to me. A couple times towards the end that made the end feel like it took forever to get there. I'm pretty sure we only spent like, what, maybe 30 hours on God of War for the story? Yeah. Maybe 40 for trophy cleanup and everything? Yeah. Uh, I think my platinum run was probably like 42 to 46 hours. Yeah, and I didn't, I, I I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do that because I was so worn out of the game. I love God of War, by the way. As, as if you guys know, that was our game of the year last year. Um, and it was one of those things that's... I just I, I wish the game was like maybe five to seven hours shorter. There's a couple things that I can't remember now, but I remember back then thinking this could have been cut out. This was a weird section that could have been cut out, you know. And it's not a slight against you know Corey or uh, the Santa Monica team at all. It's yeah, just sure. yeah, like by the end of it, you know, I, I wish this was about as long as the traditional God of War games, twenty-ish hours. And that's that's kind of long for some of the God of War games too. Yeah, because you know they were linear games. That, but you're definitely right. This was a longer game for a lot of reasons. You know, the exploration being added into and a I'm game not, like that. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's bad in this game in particular, but too many games are giving a game an open world for no reason. And you know, I feel like they struck a balance. Yeah, it did. They, but I, but that ties into exactly what I was talking about with Dragon Ball Z Kakarot and the larger scheme of things, which is exactly right. Uh, a, a, a game that ties into that but not necessarily that i think it should have been shorter but it's just a it's it's the idea of with this generation and this technology for some reason we had to have open worlds and games that had never had them which sometimes did amazing things for like the witcher 3 yeah it, it literally made the witcher the series that it is now in people's minds yeah. where the witcher 2 was a good game and it was highly rated but it was still a relatively unknown franchise um but then you have games like Uncharted 4 is a prime example of a game that added an open world or an open area, and they called it wide linear, but it completely ruined the pacing of that area. It was empty, barren. Like It was pretty because the game is pretty across the board, yeah. but it was like boring. It was There was no real reason. There was a little bit of searching you could do to find some treasure, but it just felt like 
is completely ruins the pacing of what an Uncharted game normally feels like because was, you're trying to give me control of something that needs no reason to be controlled. Was the treasure any good? No, it was just like uh, normal treasures in the game that okay. are just for, like trophy so, yeah. cleanup. It, 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 it literally just felt like we're adding this in because it's the expectation, but now I'll give them the flip side of that real quick, and that's that when they came around to doing what was supposed to be Uncharted 4's DLC that turned into The Lost Legacy, yeah. instead that whole game was built on the idea of what if we really pulled it down and had the entire game take place in a hub that you move around in completely and the entire game takes there place there. And then you can also, because of that, now you can, there's a reason for it to be open. You can tackle these objectives in your own order. Now there's a reason for you to have this level of control and openness. We're going to have multiple treasures that you can pick up on in this smaller area. And if you pick them all up, then you get an item that helps you find treasures. So it's it's this idea of like making the game design also reflect the idea. Whereas all of Uncharted 4 was still a traditional Uncharted for the most part, where it's like, we're going to have for the most part, just linear sections that you go through and do your thing. But in a couple of parts, we're going to open the game up just because it's the expectation of this generation to go big for no real reason. Yeah. You can go big in scale, while still staying linear. And I think plenty of games have shown that, Uncharted 4 being one of them, and probably the coolest scene in the whole game, the one that they showed, um, at all, and I don't think you played Uncharted 4, no. but you'll remember the scene if you remember from E3 uh, and PSX when they showed the scene where Nathan and Sully are there and then it starts being, a they get into a truck, truck and they're yeah. having to drive down. Now that that whole scene was a little bit more open and took the idea of what if you gave a little bit more control and openness and scale, which is this huge city that you're driving through, and this truck is so it's kind of like the barreling boat. down. It's kind of like the boats in Uncharted 2 then, because that wasn't exactly linear. It's kind of yeah, open. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you're kind of going through, and, and it gives you this feeling of openness and this feeling of like, wow, this game is so big and epic in its sense of scale, but it doesn't change anything on the back end of the pacing that whole the coolest scene in uncharted 4 is that scene that they showed off realistically and they showed it off which oh well is, yeah, you know but i hate it when games or movies do that it was it was amazing and it was all for the most part the same basic linear idea but while expanding the scale and like there's no way they could have done this on ps3 yeah to that extent you know to the no, where it yeah. felt so epic uh but yeah that definitely ties into that i don't know why games feel like they need to be open world this this time around but it's like i wish that that was a, and it is going away as we've seen double a games come back around and have games like um the plague tale innocence they're like we're we don't care we're just gonna be a linear game that you can move through and you know yeah. the linear sections can be decently spaced you know and where you have linearity doesn't always have to mean it's bad yeah exactly i mean so, I, you know the, the order say is, that or anything the order 1886 is probably a game that exists in the realm of could have been longer you yeah. know uh and for the same reason i actually got mentioned it one piece of key stuff that i'll give to the order is that the order did not try and open itself up arbitrarily no it was it was pretty the orders issues open linear the orders the orders issues have nothing to do with the fact that it was a linear game yeah. the orders issues have to do with the fact that they, the way they chose to pace a linear game yeah and that is its own thing and i actually think that the pacing for the most part is okay but not from a gameplay standpoint it's like if you were watching a movie and these things were going on it wouldn't feel so weird but yeah, when yeah, you're but controlling them, it, and there's uh, that, that's that actually is on my list for short games but we'll only get to that whenever yeah. we get to that list so what's another game for you though Another game that I feel like could have been a little bit shorter uh, goes into, ironically, uh, one that I was already mentioning, and it goes into the same basic principle of games being big for no real reason. Uh, and it goes into, for some reason, they decided to make the Assassin's Creed fan- franchise open world. And it's, it's AC Odyssey. And actually, I felt that a little bit in Origins as well. It feels like 
you can slow down. You can go back to what more people expected from the from these franchises, which is an idea of like you know that they kind of slowly move themselves there anyway with games like AC4, where you could move around on a boat and go to different islands and stuff. From what yeah. I can tell, uh, but going as big as they did and adding as much side content as they did, it feels like I, I call it the symptom of Skyrim. Where if you remember in 2011 when Skyrim hit, everybody was praising how open and how crazy the different options you had were. And then do you remember when Far Cry 3 came out and the the literal marketing tagline that they were going on is that some reviewers said it's like Skyrim with guns? I don't remember that at all. Okay, that was that, that was the tagline that people were selling Far Cry 3 on. I'm pretty sure I could look it up. Look, Far Cry 3. Skyrim with guns. Skyrim with guns right here. And that was what they were going on. Like Skyrim and Guns. Yep. Know your meme. And so, it yeah. became a meme because they were marketing it hard. You know, I worked at GameStop at the time. And it was just constantly... Oh, anyway. <laughs> it was just constantly talked about. And that's what I call Skyrim Symptom. Where I feel like most of why games started feeling like they had to be open world is that Skyrim sold so ridiculously well. And then you see so many games try and copy that where we're trying to be open world like that, that it became this idea of if you want to sell on that level and have that level of notoriety that Skyrim has, you have to open yourselves up arbitrarily yeah. and give yourself way too much content for no real reason. And I tie that into a lot of games, actually. Uh, Spider-Man PS4 is a game that needed to be open world because of the character. But I don't know that it needed to have open world side quests because all the side quests were bad. That was another one of mine. If that's- you're going to, and now that's not, I don't think Spider-Man's story length was bad. I actually think it was fine besides bad pacing. Yeah, I think that the pacing due to the nature of them wanting you to do the side quest missions made that game feel that's way too the problem. long. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't that the game itself was too long. It's it that they made, tried. It just slowed the game down to an absolute halt and Spider-Man and Peter Parker was like, well, I guess I better go upgrade my suit. And I'm like, no, you idiot. I've already done that for you. Let's go to the next mission. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm where I want to be. If I wanted to do it, I'd stop yeah. and do it. And it felt like the game was holding your hand and trying to be like, hey, we are open world. Remember that. So go out and do other stuff real quick yeah. before we wait this arbitrary 10 minutes and then call you and go, hey, come back over here to this lab that you just left. <laughs> You know, but it's, it's so annoying. That ties into it. so it's it's very similar to how I feel about Batman, right? And look at two games. You have you have Spider Man PS4 and you have Batman Arkham City. You have one game that has an open world that has a ton of very compelling side missions, which go through more enemies and different things. And like, okay, these are long time villains of the series. We're going to open up a new story path that you follow through for there. Whereas Sky, uh, whereas Spider-Man's bonus missions are like, well, you need to be open world as well because web swinging in a non-open world just doesn't feel as good. And we know that because of all the Spider-Man games that have tried doing open world web swinging since the beginning. It's one of the most compelling parts of Spider-Man to begin with. So when you keep going through like that, you end up in that situation where Spider-Man opened itself up because of the character because they needed to, but then they did not fill the world with anything interesting. But if they were going to do that, then just make the world not have that extra crap. Yeah. Don't bloat the game. Yeah, don't either do artificially it, either do it with length. Arkham City style. The only character, and I, did you get platinum on Spider Man or did you care? No, because you were burnt out for me. I was the same way burnt out. I'm close though. That's yeah. a sad thing. The only side mission that exists in the whole thing that's a threat of side missions that actually matters with a hero or I mean, sorry, a a, a villain that's trying to introduce a new storyline is one, and it's three missions only. So it's not even very long, and it's Tombstone. Yeah. 
And that's that's it. the only way now, you meet Tombstone through the main quest, and then you follow him. You end up you end yes. his story arc through side quests. Ironically, don't do that ever. I don't mind that so much. I hate that as long as. But it, the, the problem is the story put too much emphasis on what led to him. If it was just like you picked up a coin and said what was that in the story, and then later you can yeah. investigate the coin and be like, oh, this is but, this thing. But the way they did it was terrible. It was like here's a here's a mission dedicated to sneak around his warehouse. You're but, not going to see him again unless you go find him on your own. Exactly. And it's it, ridiculous. See, and now they, they did things weirdly. They, I don't know. I just feel like Arkham City is the prime example of making sure that you have good content in the game. So that goes back into, ironically, the problem being that some games being too long because they try and artificially inflate themselves by being open world, which I wonder if it's really more of a symptom of Skyrim or more of a symptom of the generation where people go, well, we have more power. What do you do with that power? Well, you make a bigger world. Yeah. Well, if you make a bigger world, then what do you do? Well, I guess you make it open. Well, if you make it open, what do you add? Fetch quest? Yeah. Fetch, like, <laughs> fetch quests. Like. Finding people and taking photos of them or looking at a photo of them. It's just poor mission design. You know what it I mean? Is. And it is. It, and it's all in the name of trying to artificially link to the game. I hope that the second Spider-Man does not do that. Yeah. That's a game that could Don't get us wrong. We love the, we, we love the Spider-Man PS4, but there's, there's lots of faults in that game. I'm actually really glad that both of us landed on the same conclusion on that. Without even talking to each other, yeah, we was, were just playing the game. Then we came in to do the uh, the impressions, impressions episode. It was just like, yeah, go watch that impressions episode. It's you know pretty old, but you know <laughs> if you care to. Um, but let's let's look unless you if you have another one that you feel like should have been longer or should have been shorter that comes to mind. Go ahead and throw it out, and then let's flip over to games that we feel like could have been longer. I did say the order, but like the order is definitely on my longer list. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that yeah, that's right. Because we're still on what games what yeah. should have been shorter. Devil May Cry Five is one of them. I love Devil May Cry series. At first, I wasn't going to pick up Five due to the nature of how slow it looked. But then I realized that the more progressive you play, the more the style comes back. Um, there's just parts of that game that could be cut out. And I think that overall game length for me was around 35 hours long. Oh no, that's maybe, too long for maybe what that is. 30 hours long. Even then, though, where Astral Chain hit that perfect. 15, 25 hour mark, that's perfect. Yes. Where, where Devil May Cry 5 hit, there's the game refreshes itself fairly well with pacing due to the nature of the game and the story. The game's still a little more fresh, fresher than Spider Man, so I'm not going to say much, especially if you ever decide to play it. But yeah, oh, I definitely want to. I just I haven't had time. Well, it does cool things. Actually, my, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I'm probably going to buy RE2 Remake and Devil May Cry 5. And whenever I get to the next part of where I'm like, I don't know what I want to play, immediately play go. those. Yeah, and Devil May Cry 5 is definitely worthy of, of playing. But when I, I bought that game at launch and I beat it, like within a week, and I remember thinking like there are certain parts of the game, certain character parts that I was just like, man, this is just getting old fast. Please take me back to another character. I don't want to do this anymore. And those that specific set of missions always took forever, and it happened, I believe, twice. Okay, maybe no, it happened three times. It's kind of similar to when you play as MJ in the Spider-Man games. Absolutely similar. <laughs> Please don't ever Insomniac don't ever put MJ back in that game like that. Please, or you should. You, they should have made her Gwen Stacy so they could kill her off in the first game, so we know she won't be in the second game. Her <laughs> no. character fine. Her missions suck. Yeah, that was a weird choice. All right, so let's go towards games, and I'm going off the wing. I see you're over there typing stuff up. Well, I, I had a list. I'm trying uh, to let this be from the gut. You know, the I, feeling that it's well. The, what What's crazy is there's been games that I've played in the past where they've ended. And I'm like, that's it. That's all. I can't think of any of those games. And I couldn't when we and Josh were talking about it either because I was actually going to bring them up. I have an answer for you on a game that should have been shorter that I'm surprised you didn't mention. What game? Metal Gear Solid 5. Technically, yes. 
it, you know, your, your, the story your whole where idea you of where you feel like it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. That's not so much on frustrations of the game feeling too long, though. Which oh. is kind of what I'm basing a couple of these off of. Ironically, that brings up the same thing for me. Now, not from necessarily a time perspective as much as a feeling perspective. I feel like we, we talked about it plenty of times. Far Cry 3 should not have kept going past Voss. You know? It's like... That happened? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's lame. Voss is... If you ask anybody, he's the bad guy of the series. Yeah. Of, 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 that, of that game, rather. But when you actually go through and play the game, he's not the final person. It'd be like, it'd be like Joker and Dark Knight getting killed off or arrested, and then there's still 45 minutes of movie left. Yes. Like, what is this? Yes, and that's exactly what it feels like. Now, Hoyt is not a terrible villain, but it's like you've had the best. It's like, you should have reversed the roles somehow, but it wouldn't have worked. You know what I mean? With the way they were writing it. And as much as I love that game, that's definitely a game that could have ended... Probably, I don't even know how much game time that is. I was playing it to platinum most recently, but I'd say probably if you were just going story heavy, probably five hours of gameplay that was extra that was just did not need to be there by any five to seven that just did not need to be there. But yeah. games that should have been longer. Let's see what these are because that that one's a more weird question. I feel like I more obviously know the order is one of the only times where I've been like, even though I don't, you know, I don't ever do this. The order is six hours. No, it's not. It's the just, order is roughly around eight hours long. It's eight to ten, depending on what you do. I believe I got my trophy in probably ten hours of playing. My platinum trophy, I mean, in probably ten hours of playing. And the way I brought, bro- broke that game up was I started it on a Sunday afternoon. I played it for like four or five hours, and then I stopped playing, went to bed, woke up, went to work, came back, and then... Um, oh, no, I was off that next day, too, because I beat it. I remember I had the platinum trophy within 24 hours of purchasing it, like almost at the exactly 24-hour mark of me purchasing it, I had <laughs> the platinum. And I remember thinking, like, I bought it on sale for 10 bucks. So for me, that's not a thing that I, um, that I really cared about. It wasn't $10, a point of contention at that yeah, point. Yeah, $10 for a 10-hour game is perfectly fine. Dude, it, a dollar, it, a dollar even, per hour for entertainment? Yeah, even $60 for like a 15 to 20 hour game is fine if you depending on the game. Like yeah, sure. it, that's all subjective too. You know, we said we paid $120 for Terraria, so I, I told Seth that the other day and he looked at me like I was wild because I was talking about the the Link's Awakening and how he was apparently it's got user generated content that you can make and upload. That was one of the things. In Link's Awakening? That's what he said. I've been I haven't, to haven't looked it up either. It. But I was like, yeah, that's user generated content still doesn't add add up to a full price remake in my opinion. I, but I think though that to to close the coffin on that, um I think though that it is fair for any game to offer or to have you charge $60 for a new iteration of it when it's from the ground up remake. And I don't think it's bad. So, so do you think it would have been fair? And this is a, this is a real question on that. And I know this is technically aside from the point, but we'll close it up real quick. Uh huh. Are you telling me that you would have been completely okay with paying $60 for not only crash band or not all three crash bandicoots, but just crash bandicoot one. And then sixty no, more no, dollars for Crash Bandicoot two. It was released as the package, as a collection. Yeah, yeah. But it was my, teased as the collection. Okay, but let's go back to it. What other remake have you seen? A full on remake outside of, and the only one I can even think of that might actually hit that, but I don't think it was a, a sixty dollar release. Was the Yakuza Kiwami games? I think those are fifty dollar releases. I think um, they're definitely not going to be that price now. So. No, absolutely not. Um, no, I mean, but that's the thing, right? Is that just because companies do it? cheaper doesn't mean that just because another company decides to do it differently it should be held at a higher or at a, at a, at a well, more I, negative standard I, I do think the market sets the tone of what's the expectation 
And I think that expectation comes across the board of what are you getting for that thing. And I think that people, okay, perfect example. Uh, here, here goes you know, Ratchet and Clank PS4 is a not only a remake, but also a reimagining. So right. not only are you not paying $60 for something that's already from the ground up remade of a game, but it's also changing things, adding more content, changing some content completely around to where you are getting, again, a fresher experience, which might be the case with Link's Awakening, as we've been kind of hearing things bounced around back and forth. Yeah. And even with that, they decided that $40 was the best price for that game because the market dictated that that's where those types of games should land. Right. But and we've is, never seen a remake go above $40. The thing is, though, that I've, that what I've I'm seen. talking about personally yeah. is that that game could be $60. Could be. And it, I would buy it. I would have the same complaint towards it, though. Yeah. I would, I would I mean, buy it, too. And it's a, it's a solid complaint, but I would still like to say to this day, like if Resident Evil 2 remaster or remake come out, it was $60. I would have still bought it. I think it was 50 wasn't it? Or was it 40 Resident Evil 2 remake? Yeah. Uh, see, I consider that... Only, it was a $60 release. And there you go. But, Same thing. And I'll give it that. Yeah, that one's completely refreshed. Probably with, with what if... Uh, no, I'm not going to Now, here's what I will it. say. Here's what I will say. That's a little different. It's like Final Fantasy VII being $60. Not only is it... That's $60... Per copy, per though, yeah, and, and which is my problem with I the will game. Ch- I will change how I feel this, based the, off how that lands. Well, you know that's what I mean? the problem is people say, oh, Link's Awakening, $60 too much. You're paying for Final Fantasy seven. You're paying yeah. way too much money. But we still don't know how that's going to go That's a out. game right there that should be shorter. <laughs> how did I not realize that? I'm not. Okay. So we have four ga- four versions of it. Four hours a piece. That's 160 hours worth of content to enjoy, right? I mean, no, no, Wait, it is not. What are you talking about? Four, 60 times four, I'm blinking. What are you talking about? 240 hours. What you, where's the four coming from? The four versions of it. Is it not coming out four times? Each for one disc? Oh, no. first of all, Final Fantasy VII is only three, three discs. discs. Yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking. And no, they've not confirmed how they're breaking this up yet. Okay, so we... All we know right now... Is that you to get to Midgar in the very first one is 40 hours. Is that whatever the game is that we're getting on disc... I really just realized that might have been a spoiler for people. Is average, <laughs> is average time for what a typical Final Fantasy game has always been, is what they're saying. The the length so 30 to 40, of this one hours. game is probably, yeah, probably 40 hours. That's way too much time. I don't have time to play a 40 hour game and then not be done with it <laughs> and then have to play 40 more hours even though I know the full complete story of this game that's what I'm curious about we don't though. know if we do that's the only thing but yeah. see but it's also changing the way you play the game right that, and that's where I see, the way I feel about Resident Evil 2. Completely changed the camera, completely changed the way the game works out. I mean, that's kind of how what Link's Awakening did. No, it's still the same thing. It's just a different art style of the same thing. But it's... Li- and it's playing the exact same otherwise from what I can tell. But look, this is an off... It's way too off. We can, we can continue to talk about it somewhere else. I don't mind. I'm not trying to avoid the conversation so much as say that this is not the venue for it at this particular junction. I don't want to lose too much of where we're going on this because I actually do have some well, time limitations today. Yeah, I, I do too, for the most part. But I will say that, yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake should not be 40 hours to get to the first disc. That's a game that could be shorter. I might agree with you when the game comes out and I have a chance to play it. And, and I also might change my opinion on Zelda when it comes out I'm and I get a chance to play it. really curious as to see what they can do to pad that out to 40 hours for what takes three to maybe five hours for the very first person. To we, we will for your first experience through the original game to get to that point. We will genuinely see. I don't know either. That's ridiculous. But We've talked about that like six episodes now. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> too many times. We've talked about it. Our talking of that topic should be shorter. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So games that should be longer, and this is one that I really do have a, a hard time immediately thinking of. I have a wild card here. Good. Legacy of Goku. Ooh. Now this is ironically that, tying into the 
Kakarot game. Kakarot thing. So the Kakarot thing, just to give it, I've said it before. I've always wanted the same idea of the Legacy, Legacy of Goku, Goku, but into a 3D world. But into a 3D console world, which is what Kakarot was kind of acting like it was going to be. Yeah. And then now it's looking like it's not going to be. What's, what, what, well, the reason I put that game on there is that that game came out, you know, Game Boy Advance, $40 game back in like, what, 2003, 2002? Probably, yeah. 2002 um, sounds about right. But that game I remember beating in the afternoon that I got it in, and I was like, I literally saved up allowance to buy this game, and I'm done with it now. So, like, what I did was I replayed it, and I ended up playing it. Yeah, it was 2002. Um, I replayed it so much that I could end up beat like that. I could technically speed run the game. Like, I knew exactly where to go, and I like I knew I knew how to get through the game as fast as I could, and I and I got fairly you know had had a lot of fun with it. But then I traded it in a game exchange, and then just picked up Golden Sun. That's the first time I played Golden Sun. A very different um, type of game. A very different type of game. But, yeah, that game, just for the time of era it was in, for the price, $40 for a game that I beat in probably five, maybe six hours yeah. as a kid, that sucked. Yeah. I was like, Wolverine on the, uh, there's an X-Men's, it's X-Men's Origins Wolverine, but it's not the movie. This is before the movie came out. This is back for the Game Boy Advance, another game. I'm pretty sure it's called X-Men Origins Wolverine GBA. Um, that that game it. was also short. Terrible naming structure on their side. Do you think that the um, <laughs> do you think that the Dragon Ball Legacy of Goku is what got you into speed running? Oh no, I'm dumb. It's X2 Wolverine's Revenge. It was also on PS2. So it was X Men Two video games. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you, you didn't answer. Do you think that that's what got you into speed running inadvertently? Inadvertently, maybe. No, no. It's, um, Links to the Past did. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. trying to get to that game as fast as I could. That and Ocarina of Time, actually. I was so proud the first time in Ocarina of Time that I pulled the Master Sword out in like three to four hours. Like I did it in the afternoon. I'm like, yeah, this took me like four weeks the last time I played this game. <laughs> yeah. Man, that one. You know, Josh, ironically, when you first mentioned this on Discord, I was like, that's a good topic. But I guess I didn't realize that everything that came to my gut kind of quickly was all games that I felt like should have been shorter. It's very, very rare that I play a game and immediately go, oh, that should have been longer. I mean, and then if it does, I guess it comes out later and ends up being the same thing. So, yeah. like, I probably would have said that Portal should have been longer, the first Portal. I like the length of the first Portal. but and That's I, and one I, of those games I didn't want it to end, but I felt fine when it ended. And I could tell you because it didn't really have much of a story. You yeah. know, it was, it was more about the puzzles. Hey, Portal 2, though. Love Portal 2. See, Portal 2 was essentially where I was going at. That's the answer to it. Portal 2 was the perfect length of what I wish Portal 1 would have had and with the narrative reasoning to give you that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's definitely hard to imagine. So I guess if I had to say anything, it'd be a game like Portal, but thankfully it's something that they fixed later in the franchise, uh, though there's only been two games in the franchise, so I don't know. I guess it technically is a franchise at that point, but... Yeah, somebody beat this Wolverine game X two in thirteen minutes, and it's not using any major exploits. It's just going through the game. Good lord, the game does not look that bad. Mm-mm. I mean, you know, for a two thousand two or not two thousand two, two thousand four GBA game, yeah, this was in the midst of all the X Men movies and stuff coming out. Sure, but mm. yeah, like for games to be longer, um, there's been a couple there that I've played before that I that I had that exact same thought of with Portal two of like, man, I don't want this game to end. But then when it did, I was like, this sucks. They ended, but I don't necessarily wish it was longer, if that makes sense. Like, I don't inherently want that game to be longer, but I think that goes to show you how good of a time I was having with it that I didn't want it really to end. Um, man, and I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to think here. 
Oh, you know what? I, for, I forgot to bring up games. This isn't a game that I want shorter because I've not played it yet, but it is a game that I'm curious about that I want community feedback on about Dragon Quest XI because Dragon Quest XI was like, I think they said in Discord, 170 hours. That's not that surprising because... You it's know, not because of the nature of the game, but I want to know... It's like Persona 5 being 170 hours. Yeah. I, I was like, no, thank you. I want to know... I'm completely fine. ...about this with Dragon Quest XI. Is it really worth it for 170 hours? I know I'm going to get a lot of resounding yeses in there, but also, is it really... Does, does 170 hours go by fast? Or is it really one of those that's like you feel every bit of it, but it's fun while you're doing it? Let me know about that because that's what I'm Ooh. curious. Yeah, I don't know. I you think know? that I, I'm pretty sure that's the conversation we were actually having, me and Josh, about that, that spawned um, the topic of this. I saw him say that, yeah, the topic came, and I think I might even still have it pulled up um, in the side over here. It, he, he specifically said life happens, and now I ponder on what the ideal length of a game is. Um, but yeah, it was kind of going back into that idea of when you, you know, when you were a kid with no responsibilities, you loved the idea of a 58 plus hour game. Now he says the very idea of it makes him cry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And like, it just, it almost overwhelms you in a way because you, 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 as an adult, you plan things out. And like right now for me, I know that I have a smooth break of games between now and September 20th of that. I'm really going to worry about because September 20th is coming and I'm picking up the light, picking up a week awakening. You're going to play those, and then we'll pick up a Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah. The thing about it, though, is, is that if I want to throw a game into here between now and then, do I really want to play a game now or just relax? Because I'm still in that kind of funk that Astral Chain pulled me out of now that I'm done with it. Do I want to go back through Astral Chain, or do I want to save that for my Switch Lite? What do I want to do? And say, like, right now, if someone said, well, go ahead and just start Dragon Quest Eleven on the Switch, I know for a fact I'm not finishing that up before the 20th. It yeah, also goes to like absolutely ga- games like uh, I'm thankful they did this NES thing now because I was I forgot to mention this but I only played a few minutes of uh, Link to the Past on the Switch. Yeah, um, that's such a cool service too, by the way. But um, how fast everything works. But and once again, it's like, do I have time to fully dive deep into this game like I've been wanting to as an adult now since I haven't done it in about ten years before the twentieth? I don't think I do. The game's not necessarily long, but to get every single thing in the game that I want to get, all the heart containers, everything like that, then yeah, it might be a And little. definitely when you have other games that are coming out that are prettied up or spruced up. Like you can yeah. play Link's Awakening and there might be something different. Yeah. Or if nothing else, it feels fresh because of the new and it, I, Yeah, I literally haven't played it since. I think you could buy it on the, on, the, on the original. No, it was on the 3DS that you could buy it. It was one of the Game Boy Color Classics. Okay. That's well, the last time I played it, so it's been about yeah, I don't know, 10 but, years. I, I don't know. I guess my bigger thing is I've never been one to really like games that go into that 170-hour mark naturally. You know, like, well, naturally, I like that. Well, what I mean by that is um, a game that constantly has story for the whole 170 hours or at least has story to tell, but even if it's only drip-feeding it out to you across that 170 hours just to try and hit that length, that's something I've, ne- I've never cared for because that, to me, is a pacing problem. Well, I mean, and Sean were talking about it, too, that Dragon Quest... Eight did it really, really well, um, and because that, that game was long too. Uh, Age of Elusive, mm-hmm. this is whatever is eleven. What was Dragon and the Cursed King or something? Um, if I'm not mis- mistaken, uh, eight was the one that was the last one on. Um, well, it was PS2, right? It was the last one I fully finished up on PS2, and I played uh, Journey of the Cursed King. Yeah, that's the last one I fully played on the PS2, and that's the one that came out to 3DS too. That actually looked fairly well for a 3DS game. Um, but 
it's one of those that it flowed naturally, but it didn't really feel like a game that I, I spent all that time on. It felt natural. And it was almost like, uh, and I kind of thought of it this way, it was almost like um, Dragon Ball Z. It was going home and thinking to myself, like, I'm going to go home and watch 20 minutes of Dragon Ball Z um, or 22 minutes of Dragon Ball Z. And that's going to be something I do all week long. I'm going to consume this story. And that's how I kind of faced with Dragon Quest was that I'm going to go home, I'm going to watch Dragon Ball Z, and I'm going to play the two hours that I can of Dragon Quest every day except on the weekends. And I kind of faced it. I kind of like scheduled it almost to play it because I was a kid that had all that free time. Now I can't do that every day. I mean, I can get a rough idea of throughout the week with my schedule when I can play it, but then things come up, life happens. And days like today, like where... The only like the only gaming time I'm really gonna get is gonna be tonight when we play Minecraft. So it's like it's balancing like checks and balances. It's like and see, I guess that depends on everybody, right? My weekends go crazy, and I don't have time to play games as much as I want to on weekends, and it's more sporadic, and I kind of got to do it when I can. But week nights, I pretty much know exactly what I'm doing, and I can play even if I have stuff that comes up in the rest of the part. I can play from pretty much eight to twelve to my heart's content every night throughout the week. Yeah. But and that's just so different. It, it's a different between each person, right? Like, what do you have going on? I only got one kid, thankfully, so it doesn't just lose. I can still do stuff with her. Uh, some days I can come home and start playing at six, depending on what I'm doing and what they're yeah. doing and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I like for so, me- but for me, I guess it's just that games that go that long, uh-huh. and I guess that's weird. You know, we're talking about games that we wish were longer. I guess it's, I can't think of a game that is short because of it working out the way it should. Linked gets to be a weird thing. What are we talking about in linked? You know, are we talking about for just the main game, no side content? Because that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, yeah. hey, if I want to play The Witcher 3 and say, hey, I played The Witcher 3, did you do everything? Well, no, not necessarily, but I beat the game. You yeah, know, that, 40-ish hours. You know, yeah, exactly. It's, hours, a, it's the right length. Skyrim, same thing. I could hop in and do it. Now, of course. That's where it gets confusing with Skyrim because it's, are you talking about main quest? Well, that, exactly. Build? And that's what I'm talking about. Is like, you know, you can say you beat Skyrim in, you know, 50, 40 hours or maybe even less, depending on what you're doing. Skyrim main quest is like 20 hours yeah, long. Yeah, it's short. Because it has, like, it has, you know, six main quests or whatever. Exactly. So, but that's my point is that I don't think that Skyrim should have been short, should have been longer or shorter because what it was for its main quest is perfect. And then the other quests I can go in and digest at my own pace, and those are perfect. Well, what I, I don't want is a game that's like Persona, where it's like you can't even say you rolled credits on Persona 5 unless you played over 100 hours, probably. You know, and I don't, that feels so forced and wrong to me. It just, it, well, forced is, is probably not the right word to say there for me. I don't think that those games feel forced, but it's, it, and it's it's because you know I played the first fifteen twenty hours of Persona. I died in the first or second palace. Didn't save since the first palace. I'm like I'm not doing this extra five hours of content over again. I understand, yeah. Um, or at least I I didn't back then. So I've been I still have it. And I've been meaning to to play it eventually. But my whole thing is is like man, for a story to be a hundred and seventy hours long and to have praise, it has to be good. See, it has I, to be worth it. And I feel like that depends on what you play, though. Yeah, I, I, I really seriously doubt, and somebody tell me if I'm wrong. Well, the, I, know I, I, I really doubt that the Persona games are literally compelling story the entire time. Then it's just how well, how compelling is the gameplay between the story beats to Persona's be weird there because you are spending time, at least, I don't know how it is in 5, but in 4 and 3, you would spend time uh, developing your relationships with your friends. Sure. You'd be doing side quests, getting a job or whatever, stuff like that. But then there's always that... that at least in four and three, I don't know about five because I can't really speak for that. But there is always that creeping. I gotta know what's gonna happen next. Let's go do it and like go to go on to do it. 
where Spider-Man cut you off from that in a sense, and that's where it yes. slowed the pacing down. Yeah, sure. Persona was like that a lot, and you actually could just go get the answers if you wanted to, or you could spend time to focus on friends. See, but I, I, four I get, did have a weird little break. What I'm curious about but, is, yeah, because I know that those games have, have to have they have to have side content. It's almost they guaranteed. Do. Yeah, they do. they do, and it's probably side content that gets locked as as you continue to go through certain parts of the game. Like, you, well, you every section has it got its it own. Pops, you just don't know about it until it becomes available. Well, yeah, but then I'm sure it can probably you can do a certain thing and it'll lock it out as you move on from a certain area. You know, like each area probably has, and I yeah. don't know for sure, but I could see that being I, the case. I think in four, and it's been about two years since I've replayed, and I didn't even beat it the last time I played it, but it was I got about. A little bit more than halfway through, if I remember the boss structure correctly. But um, there is relationships that you can do, and if you miss out on certain things in those relationships, you miss out on certain items. Yeah, and certain content of that nature too. So my bigger question is: Are those games actually a hundred hours? If you just sit there and only worried about going through the main story, how long would it actually take me? And that's the part is no. It, everybody here talking about I re- it, I really I think are people that love digging into all the sign content, and therefore they end up going through and thinking to themselves, "Okay, yeah, this game was a hundred hours for me to roll credits on because I was doing a bunch of side stuff, but I had a fun time doing it because that's what I enjoy." That's not what I want. I want a game to let me play the main story as quickly as I want to and then go back and do all side content whenever I my heart contends to it. So the main story is 96 hours long. Good Lord. The main plus the extras is an extra six hours long, coming in 112 hours. The all styles uh, version of it is 110 hours, and the completionist is 173. Nope. So for those that don't know, this goes in well with this topic that if you are adults like us that have real weird time constraints, there's a website called How Long to Beat. Though That website's fantastic because it breaks down a game and tells you how long to beat it. Don't look for a game you haven't finished yet because you will be able to... Have you never heard of that website? No, I have, but I, I, I for some reason didn't think it was just How Long to Beat. That Okay, sorry. Not going to say what came to my mind. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. Okay. But uh, anyways, Digger Shit Best is coming up soon. I yeah, will. I won't be there for that. But um, but yeah, we want you guys once again. Communities take topic. What games do you think should be longer, and what games do you think should be shorter? Be sure to uh, let us know when they pop up, or even let us know in the comments on YouTube too, because we can start going to there uh, if it's re- if it's pertaining to the topic of the show. And your answer, the communities take in YouTube comments. Just let us know and and say, hey, this is the answer, and then give us your answer. We'll read yeah, it on the show absolutely. too. Absolutely, definitely. Once again, though, can't get all of them, so. Feel free to do it every week, though, because eventually we will hit yours for sure. We even take the time out to realize, like, hey, we've answered this guy's two weeks in a row. Let's answer this guy's instead. So there's that. But uh, thank you all for uh, listening and watching. And uh, if you like us, then like the video. If you don't like us, then don't like the video. And uh, we'll see you guys back for episode 129 in one week. Thank you all. Thanks, guys. Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan Douglas Blow, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, uh, Funk Turkey, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stephen Swanland, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and Dylan Kirby. If you would like to support the show in any fate, way shape or form go over to patreon.com slash nartech or go to the link in our description below thanks